0: Let's go. New series kicking off tonight. Welcome, friends, in the room and in Fort Worth and El Paso and Houston. Fort Worth, last night in the Risley Theater. Get excited in Tulsa and Woodlands and Spring and Cedar Rapids. Wherever you're joining us from, we're glad that you're listening. We are kicking off a new series tonight on Lyrics and Lies, Anthem Edition. What is anthems? It's basically we're going to look at uh, different songs that were an anthem to the last 10 to 15 years. They kind of marked an era, marked an age, and were songs that we all know the beat to. They were your old ringtone when you were in high school. And they may have been a song that came out when you were in junior high or college, but they're songs that over the last 10 years have uh, just kind of been at the forefront. These were big, big hits, and we're gonna cover a different topic each night and a few songs that connect to that. Let me start this way. Um, with a little bit of a story to get us into. The other day, I was I was leaving. I've got a two and a half year old son, and I was leaving to go to work. I came up to him, give him a hug. Hey, daddy's going to work. I'll see you soon. And he begins singing, "Grown ups come back." And I'm like, what? "What? are you guys doing here while I'm gone? What is mom teaching you?" And and then a couple of days go by later, and he he uh, he sings another song. He's like, "I have to go potty." And he says, "When you have to go potty, stop and go right away." And I'm like. <laughs> what is your mother teaching you? And then it happened another time where he was like upset about something. And he was like, when you feel so mad that you wanna roar, take a deep breath and count to four. It's like, man, this is Eminem. We are raising a (laughs) prodigy right here. But what had happened was he had been watching a TV show called Daniel Tiger. Oh, my gosh. Well, I got some big Daniel Tiger fans in the room. Wow. That's curveball, which is this the show that that I'm not even going to go into. But point being on the show, they have like little songs that they'll teach and have the kids sing as they watch. And uh, in order to teach and instruct their behavior, it's pretty genius when you think about it, because in listening to it. It's uh, instructing how they act, and it's influencing how he behaves and how he thinks about the world and even sees the world around him. That, hey, grown-ups leave, but they come back. you got to go to the bathroom. you got to go, and on and on. (laughs) And I start there because, in a similar way, this is really something we never grow out of. That the songs we listen to, the things that we watch, and specifically for this series, the things that we're listening to influence the way that we think about the world around us. They influence the way that we see, the way that we behave oftentimes, and they have uh, an influence over how we see ourselves, what we think is valuable, where we think, you know, uh, fun is to be had and just kind of how we see and perceive and behave inside of the world to varying degrees. And so we're going to tackle in this series different songs that have shaped uh, really the last kind of 10 to 15 years and have shaped us. And shape parts of the way that we think about the world and attack some of the lies that are contained within the songs that are there. There's no question music is powerful. Abraham Lincoln had a quote where he said, and I'll read it so I don't butcher it. Whoever writes the nation's songs shapes the nation's soul. I mean, how powerful is that? And you're thinking like, Abe, what were you guys listening to back then? I mean, for real. But even then, he's going, hey, the power of music and the power to write the songs that people are singing is going to be a power that's going to get implanted into people's heads. I mean, think about how many songs, um, you know, that uh, uh, how many song lyrics you have memorized and how many more you have memorized than all the scriptures. If you put together, you have memorized. It's crazy. And so we're going to look at specifically certain lies over the next four weeks together. Tonight, uh, we're going to look at a, uh, a couple of lies that are embedded over and over and over again and have been over and over-embedded into different songs in the last 10 years. And so let me, let me just play a few of them that'll give us a little framework. Here's what's embedded inside of all those songs. And it sounds uh, silly, but it's this idea that, hey, you're perfect just the way you are. You do you. Anyone who tells you you need to change or be anything different, they're just haters. Brush them off. You do you. You're perfect just the way that you are. And it's a message that is at the forefront, really, of so much of our culture. And it may be one of the most dangerous lies that if you're a Christian, you can believe. Maybe if you're in general a person that you can believe. And I understand that a lot of the reason why, you know, Selena's singing it is she's trying to, you know, encourage the self esteem of 13 year old girls. But if you take that idea that, man, you're perfect, just the way you are, you were born perfect, you don't need to change, other people need to change, don't listen to them. If you take that and you transfer it not just to, you know, your uh, your external appearance as you go through puberty, but into the way that you think about life, into the way that you think about, man, the perfect, or I was made perfect, my desires, everything about me is perfect, you are going to forfeit everything God wants to do in your life. And it's gonna have implications. It's gonna cost you as a, as a person in terms of growth. It's gonna cost you everything that the Bible says God wants to do for the rest of your life, in and through you. And so we're gonna explore three lies and three truths. Three lies from these songs, a number of them, and then three truths from God's word that um, this may be the message that most in our culture right now people are believing. That, hey, just the way you are is perfect. Don't let anyone tell you something other. That, you know, you're really a good person at the end of the day who has it together and and you don't need to worry about changing. Let the world change around you. And we're going to see it is just not. So we're going to explore three truths. We're going to jump around. This series will be a topical look at some things in culture, and then we just take what does God's word say in response to some of these embedded lies that are inside of there. The most dangerous thing about this lie tonight that, hey, you're you do you you're so loved, you're perfect, you're beautiful just the way you are, is it maybe one of the more dangerous lies because it's a distorted version. It's, in other words, each one of these things that I'm saying, you're perfect, you're loved, you, you just need to embrace who you are. It's such a dangerous lie because it's not like some huge out there like, hey, you're an alien. That's not what it is. It's like a distorted, just twisted version of the truth, which is how Satan works best. He's not going to come with some huge out there crazy lie. He's just going to take the truth and twist it just slightly. And that's what he's doing here. And so we're going to look through these three lies and three truths that correspond to each one of them. And I'll just kick it off right here. The first one is the lie that we've already said or alluded to that you are perfect, that Pink in her song says, pretty please, don't ever feel you're less than, less than perfect. As Christina already said, you're beautiful in every way. Words can't bring you down. You're so beautiful no matter what anyone says. Or as Selena said, who says you're not perfect? Who says you're not perfect? I don't know who's believing this, honestly. Like, I think, I I don't know who's writing these songs and being like, yeah, tell them they're perfect. Who actually believes that at the end of the day? I think most of us are at least familiar enough to be like, yeah, that's positive, I wanna believe it, but if this is perfection, oh, we're in trouble. (laughs) I mean, it's just a a blatant lie. The truth from God's word, as simple as that sounds, is that you're broken, and so am I, and so is every person who's ever lived, who's out there, that you're broken. And in attempting to build up self-esteem, they just overcorrect and just tell them that they're perfect, and if you embrace that you embrace that the way that uh, the desires you have, the personality you have, who you are is perfect and um, you know, others need to conform to you. You are just looking for that perfect someone in your world who's gonna perfectly complement your perfection. You are gonna be looking for a unicorn as it relates to a spouse and you are going to fail to grow in any way. The first lie is that you're perfect and the truth in God's word is that you are broken. And so am I. The Bible says this in uh, Psalm 51 verses four through five, where it says you're broken because of sin. You're sinful. David says, surely I was sinful at birth. Like from my birth, I've been covered in sin. Sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. That I'm not just a basically good person. I I am a sinner. My parents were sinners. I come into this world with a sin nature that taints everything inside of my life. I mean, even the fact that I, I think logically you gotta think that even the singers of these songs don't believe this. <laughs> They're just putting it out there. I mean, because no one would say, or I'm sure none of them would say, "Yes, I'm universally speaking to everyone, everywhere, always. They're perfect, just the way they are." ISIS, you do you, and um, you know, sex slavery uh, traders, you do you. And um, you know, that's all we'd all just say. Ah, yeah, that doesn't really apply to you. not perfect in that direction. There, you know, there's there's places where we'd all agree it just breaks down. You know, there's a, an association called NAMBLA, which you may have heard us talk about before, National Association of Man Boy Love, which is a group that advocates for hey, people are pedophiles too, and wants to advocate for pedophilia being something people were born with, and that's okay, and it should be embraced. They're perfect the way they are. That is a lie, and I think all of us. Even the singers of these songs would address and believe that, that someone, some people out there may not be perfect. And the Bible over and over again teaches the reason you are not perfect or the reason you're broken is because of sin. That sin came into the world. And when Adam sinned, it's like he caught the infection and everything inside of him was contaminated and every descendant that he would ever have. Adam being Adam and Eve are the original Uh, beginning of creation and the original parents, if you will, of all of human race. When Adam sinned, he introduced sin into all of the world and all of a sudden, all of his descendants caught the disease. All of them were contaminated. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12, it says this, that Adam, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in the same way, death came to all people because all sinned. Basically, the Bible teaches that, hey, in Adam, all of us, uh, when Adam sinned, All of his DNA all of a sudden was tainted and contaminated with sin. And for all of human history, every child of Adam, son of Adam or daughter of Eve has been infected with the disease that's around you. Uh, The Bible says this is a sin nature. What is a sin nature? Sin nature means sinning comes naturally. Uh, And I I always feel like this kind of goes without saying, but just in case it doesn't, I mean, think about it. Uh, Think about how easy it is or the fact that sinning does come naturally. Like, none of us came in here and had to work at being selfish. Like, if I'm honest, I'm really good at loving me. I love me some me, and I'm great at loving me. And my guess is, in neutral, so are you. Nobody in here had to work at their lust problem. Like, you know what, I'm really, this year has been my year. I'm doing paleo, and I'm working on lust, increasing my lust. No one has that problem. (laughs) Greed is not something you have to attempt to do. It's something that just can grab a hold of you. Jealousy. No one is trying, oh man, I'm just not a jealous person and I'm trying to be more jealous. Gosh, I just can't do it. It just grabs us. It comes naturally. The Bible is just saying what we've all seen, we've all experienced is that you are not perfect and you're a broken person just like me because sin has come in and contaminated everything inside of us. Now here's where the distortion comes in because you may be thinking, doesn't the Bible say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like God made me, I'm fearfully and perfectly made and he wove me together in my mother's womb, Psalm 139 says, yes. But when the infection of sin was introduced into the human race, everything got tainted. So your personality, your desires, your uh, will, your mind, all of it the Bible teaches was contaminated by sin. Now there's things that can restrain us and the spirit of God can allow us to find victory over those things, but all of us have been totally contaminated. And everything that sin has touched is contaminated. It's a little bit like this. This is gonna be a weird illustration, but just go with me here for a second. Let's say we're hanging out this Saturday, you come over, hanging at my house and we're getting together and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make some punch. We're hanging in the backyard, it's going great, we're grilling. All of a sudden, uh, you go and you go to drink some punch and uh, I'm like, hey, just wanna give you a heads up. I had the punch on the ground. My dog came over, peed in the punch. So just, you, you do you. And um, here's what I'm confident. I know this is so, just go with me. Here's what I'm confident your next question would not be. Well, how much pee? <laughs> how much? It would be, okay, I'm gonna pass hard pass on the punch. I'm okay. Because any contamination, it's ruined. The punch is done. It's <laughs> such a weird illustration <laughs> and the bible says that in the same way when sin touched humanity and when sin which is a part of your life by choice and by birth you're born with a sin nature and you choose to sin and in doing so when sin touched the human race it contaminated everything and there's varying degrees to how much sin has been a part of your life but according to the bible you are broken and sin has come in and contaminated everything that it's touched Everything that it starts. The first point is that you're not perfect. You are broken. And if you're gonna experience healing from any brokenness or growth in your life, you will have to come to the place where you realize I am broken, which means the solution for my brokenness doesn't come from me. I don't know if you're a Christian, really whatever you believe. If you come to the place where you realize, man, I really do have a sin nature. There's something broken in me. What is that? If you're going to experience healing in realizing you're broken, you're taking that first step because you are also realizing, which means the solution to my brokenness doesn't come from in me. The second lie that we see from these songs that we're covering tonight is the lie that, Hey, because you are loved, you do not need to change. You just need to accept yourself, love yourself and move on. Lady Gaga said it this way. She says that there's nothing wrong with loving who you are because he, God made you perfect. So hold your head up, girl, you'll go far, listen to me when I say, I'm beautiful in my way, God makes no mistakes, I'm on the right track, baby, I was born this way, don't hide yourself in regret, just love yourself and you're set, I'm on the right track, baby, I was born this way. The lie again, hey, you're loved, just love yourself and you'll be set, who you are, you do you, that's all that you need to worry about, you don't need to change, you're loved just as you are. And the Bible says, the Christian Christian message is that because you are loved, Christ wants to change you. That because Christ loves you, he wants to change you and he will change you. If you put your faith and trust in him, he'll begin to chip away at your life and begin to change your life day by day, moment by moment. That's what Christianity teaches, that God does love you just the way you are. He loves you too much though to leave you that way. This is what the Bible teaches, that God loves you Just exactly like you walked in here right now, wherever you're at in this room, whatever your uh, spiritual journey is, whatever sin struggle you're having, dominate your life. Whatever your past is, whatever you've done, God is crazy in love with you. And he loves you so much that he doesn't just accept you. He accepts you and loves you enough to not accept you not changing. That he's going to come in and because he loves, begin to change and transform your life. That's what the Christian life is. It's not static. It's not, hey, I put my faith on the shelf and it's just, you know, I keep work at work and church at church. It is a constant growing to meet more like Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, this, that we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. He's talking about Christians. And here's the good that God works about. For those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed or to be transformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So that the Bible teaches is that because God loves you, he's gonna come into your life and begin to transform anything inside of your life that does not look like Jesus. Um, There is a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the statue of David. Um, It was by Michelangelo and um, there we go. There's. PG version folks. Um, when Michelangelo constructed this, which was you know a few hundred years ago, it's amazing structure. It's one of just the things that people travel all over the world to construct. And Michelangelo was asked one day, how did you make it? How did you construct? Or how did you chisel out this incredible thing from a single block of marble? And he said, it was easy. I just chiseled away everything that didn't look like David. That's what the Bible teaches. God is doing in your life. That for the rest of your life, if you're a Christian, he loves you too much to leave you that way. And he's gonna chisel every single part of your life that is not consistent with his son. Because he loves you. And it would be unloving to stop at anything short. I, I, uh, I have, um, like I mentioned earlier, a, a son. And uh, we recently went to the uh, doctor and the doctor said, hey, there's a couple things you guys as parents need to uh, make sure change in your son before his three year old birthday. And she said, uh, you gotta get the uh, whole uh, potty training thing down and um, the middle of the night wake ups and uh the pacifier i know this is exciting stuff welcome to my world what's the middle of the night wake-ups we're at this stage where he's like he's going to come at either 2 a.m 3 a.m i'll be awake just fyi he's going to come into our room Uh, i won't be awake naturally but he's going to come in wake me up and then then it's a game of like whatever i have to tell you in order to get to stay up for a little bit so it's like hey i'm thirsty right now or um i I drank too much water or he'll come in and be like i need to put socks on or he will come in again and be like I need to take my socks off. But the best one, true story. This kid is going to be a lawyer. He came in and was like, I need to change my socks. These socks have been on for too long. And uh, he's just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And then the potty training thing goes without saying, pacifier thing. Here's what would be unloving. If we turn to that doctor and we said, look, we are <laughs> not changing him. Are you kidding me? That would be so unloving. Uh, we're going to let him do him. Okay, If he wants to wear a diaper when he's in high school, that's great pacifier, we're cool with it. If he marries some girl someday and wakes her up at two and is like, can you change my socks? We're great with that because we love our child. You would be like, you guys are lunatics. You are cuckoo for cocoa puffs. What is wrong with you? That's not loving to a child. That's what God in the Bible teaches over and over. God is doing his, he's a part of bringing change in your life and in my life, not because um, he doesn't love you, but precisely or exactly because he, he's crazy about you and he loves you. and He wants to see you become all that you can be and he knows that all that your potential to be is connected to you becoming more and more like Christ, more free from sin, more and more to look like Jesus. And so a lot of times people will say things like, man, that's just the way that I am. I, um, you know, I'm a short-tempered kind of guy. Jesus wants to change that. People say, man, it's just the way that I am. Like, you know, I, I kind of like my me time, i want alone time. Anything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, He's going to change. People will say things like, I just, you know, I'm not quick to trust or I kind of hold a grudge. Everything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, the Spirit of God wants to kill and change. And that's what He's going to do. And in eternity, fully and finally, but from now until then, that's what the Spirit of God is at work, convicting and bringing about to chisel away every part of you that doesn't look like Jesus. That's what the message of Christianity is. Not because you're loved, you don't need to change. Because God loves you, he will bring about change and wants to bring about change inside of your life, inside of me. And then finally, third point, comes from uh, a song that... um, was written by Macklemore, the rapper, that same love that I can't change, even if I tried, even if I wanted to, I can't change. Now, I, I don't wanna go into, when this song came out, um, it was clearly connected to another message, um, that you know, in case you're, you were under a rock in 2015 or underground, it was connected to the homosexual um, uh, movement, and it, it's clearly about that. What I'm connecting to in this song is a message that's repeated here, repeated over and over again, that hey, you can't change, you shouldn't try, you should just embrace and accept who you are. And it's a lie. The idea that change is impossible is a lie. Where he gets it right is the truth is, as Christians, we believe you can't change, that's right. But Christ can't change you, is the truth that you can't change on your own, but Christ can come in and will come in to all who allow him and accept him as Lord and Savior, and he will begin to bring about change inside of your life and inside of my life. There's really three ways that the Bible says uh, he brings about change inside of our life. So I just wanna talk about that quickly and then um, show an example of of the ways that God brings about change and then close and, and we'll be done from there. But there's three ways. If you wanna experience change, if you're going to change, if you're gonna experience change in your life, it's gonna involve these three criteria, or these three things that over and over again, God says, this is the means by which I transform people. If you wanna experience, if you have an eating disorder, if, you have, uh, if you're addicted to pornography, if you uh, have a um, addiction to alcohol, or, or maybe you're just, you're covered in anxiety all the time, or jealousy, or you're codependent. In every relationship you get in, you're codependent. You don't have to stay that way. And the God who's there, promises that if you will come to him and allow him to work and allow specifically follow him in these three ways, you will experience freedom. This is the method by which God changes and transforms people. People say, I got family members that are like, you know, people don't really change. People change. I don't know who you're hanging out with. If you're like, oh, people don't change. Apparently your friends don't change. I work around people all the time that have been radically changed. I mean, I was going around with our team today, just in our team time, and we got everything from like, hey, I was divorced, I was addicted, I was overwhelmed in anxiety, I was an alcoholic, everything in between, and these people, it's like, man, I would've thought you grew up on a seminary or something, or like you were just, you spent your whole life in church because God has radically transformed your life. I mean, our, our main worship leaders, Shane was leading worship, I was thinking about John, who leads on Sunday. The dude was in a gang for like the first 20 years, or when he was 20 years old, he was in a gang. I'd look at that and I'm like, dude, how is that possible? John, you're like the nicest, most meek guy of all time. It's hard to think of you being in a gang together. And he's like, I was, man. It was thug life. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. God brings about change. And so let me tell you, tell you how he's bringing about change. In my life, our teams, life, anyone who's experiencing change through him is experiencing it by these three ways. The first is by living out God's word not by reading God's word, not by having a quiet time, not by attending the porch on Tuesday nights, by living out what the Bible says. Here's what uh, James, the brother of Jesus says in James chapter one, verses 22. Do not merely listen to the word or the Bible and so deceive yourselves. To us, he would say, do not merely listen or read. At that time, they didn't have Bibles. They just had some of the letters. So he's saying, hey, don't listen. Don't show up and listen. Don't just show up and read it and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself in the mirror goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it is doing it, not forgetting what they heard but doing it, they will be blessed in everything that they do. James says, Hey, don't be people who, if you just show up on Tuesday nights, you're going to get good vibes. Hopefully you'll be encouraged, but it will not be enough to allow you to experience change in your life. You have to be someone who doesn't just read the Bible. They apply the Bible every single day. Here's something, let me just say the most provocative way I can put this. The Bible doesn't change people's lives. It doesn't. Applying the Bible changes people's lives. The Bible doesn't change people's lives any more than looking into a mirror changes the way that you look. You look in a mirror and you're like, oh, whoa, curveball. Hey, I need to change that. Or man, I woke up like this and it was not pretty. And that's what you do when you look into a mirror. But the mirror doesn't like shave your face. The mirror doesn't apply mascara. The mirror just tells you, whoa, that's what a mirror does. <laughs> I'm like showing you what I think when I look in the mirror, like, whoa. Uh, anyways, let's keep going. In the same way, the Bible doesn't change people's lives. Doing what the Bible says changes people's lives. If you're going to experience being changed or transformed for Christ, it will involve you not just reading, but applying God's word into your life. The second is not just living out God's word. It's living in community with God's people. Hebrews chapter three, verses 12 and 13 say this, see that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So be careful. Watch out that none of you has a heart that would turn away. And then he says, how do you make sure that you're careful to not have your heart turn away from God? Here's the remedy. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness or by sin's deceitfulness. That the antidote the Bible says for you having a heart that doesn't turn away, for your faith, staying strong, continuing to grow, for you to experience change in your life, uh, for you to conquer addiction, for you to get over and to grow into all that God has for you, for you to experience freedom and meaning and just life, like not a sense of emptiness, you will have to be connected to other believers in a real way. Like you're gonna have to be in a small group or at your church, whatever they call them, life groups, home groups, Sunday Bible study, I don't know, What if you don't attend here, they're called. But you've got to have real authentic relationships in your life with other believers who know where you need to be encouraged daily. Who you can come along and do what James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another so that you would be healed. If you don't have those people, you're not going to experience change. And you are forfeiting one of the primary ways God says he's going to speak to you and protect you. I mean, this is like, I hope you know, this is like so real to not just you know, the broader group. This is real to me. It's real to our staff. We're all a part of small groups and groups with people that know where we're struggling, know where we need to be prayed for. Uh, recently, in the past few weeks, I entered into another group called region, where I'm just going, God, I, there's areas of my heart I hate. I'm prideful. And I think that I'm better than people. I think that I know better, candidly. I'm always like, yeah, that's dumb. And I think that I know better and I hate it. And I don't wanna live the rest of my life allowing pride to hurt my relationships, to hinder growing into the person. I I have control problems and anger problems. And I don't wanna allow those things that impact my life. I wanna take ground and the good news is I know that there's a God who changes people. I've seen him change in my own life. And he's a God that when you and I begin to apply these things brings about change inside of your life there is hope you do not have to stay the way that you are and the spirit of god doesn't want you to stay the way that you are but you will if you're not living in community if other people are not aware of the areas where you are tempted where you are giving in to sin whether people are not coming along you regularly, not like I call this guy on the phone every now and then and then I call her and we talk every now and then we're accountability and they say, they pray daily. It says they are in your life. And if you do not have that, you are missing out on one of the key ways that God brings change. If you are dating and the person you're dating doesn't have that, you should be scared. I don't know how more lovingly to put it. You should be afraid and you should tell that person you need community because you are dating someone who the Bible says is a fool. Proverbs 18:1 says, whoever isolates himself quarrels or fights against sound wisdom. What do you call someone who fights against sound wisdom? A fool, and it says they seek their own desires. They do what you know, they think at the end of the day. Hey, I prayed about it. This is what I think I should do. And the Bible says that person living in isolation is a fool. Am I saying you should break up? I don't know. I'm saying that you're dating someone who's living foolishly and you should be scared or you should at least bring the conversation up and be like, hey girl, I'm gonna make sure you're not seven times a crazy. Do you have community? Or hey guy, what's the deal? Are there guys in your life that know what's going on? Number three, so living out God's word, living in community with God's people. And then the third one is living in dependence on God's Spirit. The um, Bible says that the Christian life is a constant, Lord, I'm just dependent on you one day at a time, one day at a time. What does it look like to live dependent on God's spirit? Um, This one, honestly, I think is the hardest one to try to communicate. I think it's a constant communication and prayer of, God, will you help me right now? Will you help me? I'm going to walk into this room. I'm going to be tempted to be concerned about what everyone else thinks about me. God, will you help me right now as, as I, I just get overwhelmed thinking about the future, and I need your help. I'm constantly, like, inviting you. I'm constantly trying to be sensitive to when the Lord, I feel like, is kind of pricking, like, hey, um, I want you to speak up right now and be sensitive to his leading. I think it's, it involves being dependent on the Spirit is a constant prayer communication and an awareness of God's presence and sovereignty in your life. Those are big words they may not mean as clear, but I think that's honestly one of the best or best way that I know how to put it is it is it a constant. I'm just constantly aware. I'm constantly communicating with you. God, will you help me, Lord? I'm dependent on you. If this is on my strength, I'm not going to make it. Lord, will you help me? And that posture of I'm dependent on you. And then just an awareness that, hey, God, you're at work. You're around me. You're in control. That I'm constantly dependent on you. You know what just happened. You're not surprised by these events. And so I'm going to trust you. Will you help me that you live living out God's word, living in community with God's people, and living in constant dependence on the spirit of God. I think it's, it's such a tragedy that so many people put their, their faith on the shelf and they don't experience change. I mean, how many... How many uh, people over the age of 35, you know, that like, oh yeah, hey, I'm a Christian. That's important to me. But it doesn't impact anything about their life. It doesn't impact the way that they did marriage. It doesn't impact the way that they handle finances. It impacts the way that they attend X church every so often. And you know, that's a good thing. The Bible says your whole life for the rest of your life, God wants to transform you and bring about change. And there is no limit. Gosh, I just want you to get this so bad. You have no idea how God wants to use you. You have no idea how God can use you will use you like inside of the room. There's probably honestly an overestimating of yourself. You think more highly of who you are right now, and you don't think highly enough about who you could be and who God wants you to be. And inside of the scripture, you are told, and I'm told you're not going to get there apart from these things. You're not going to experience, you you probably could not dream highly enough of the person, the father you could be, the mother you could be, the the husband, wife, the uh, type of leader, follower of Jesus, the influencer that you could be. There is no ceiling that is beyond what God could do with your life. You're probably underestimating that and overestimating where you are right now. And the God who's there says, man, if you will daily and everyday ordinary moments live out my word, be dependent on me, and walk in community with other believers, you do that, you're gonna see transformation like you wouldn't even believe. This is how it's always worked, how it always will work, and how God is at work right now. In fact, instead of our ministry, we were talking today with some friends in Fort Worth. Fort Worth is, this is their last time in the Ridgely Theater, which is where they've been meeting. There's a, another building that they're moving into. And uh, one of the reasons they're moving out of that is because they're running out of space, because God is at work changing people's lives in such radical ways. And, um, and so we wanted to hear or give you a chance to hear from some of the stories that are just taking place from our friends in Fort Worth on a night like this where they are transitioning. So you guys check out these videos, this video. We were addicted to self-pleasure. We were trying to earn our worth through athletics. We were emotional and physical abusers of women. Rebellious. Partiers. Chasing perfection. We manipulated others. Starving for attention. Drowning in pornography and lust. We were addicted to pornography. We were crushed by disease, feeling hopeless, worthless, and forgotten. Consumed by alcohol. Hiding from community. Sought to numb the pain. Lost in abusive relationships. People pleasers who thought we needed to perform for God. Obsessed with self-worth. Consumed by worldly success. Numb to the gospel. We were self-righteous hypocrites. We were broken. 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 We were broken. Broken. We were broken. broken. We were broken. Then Christ. And then Christ rewrote the desires of my heart. Then Christ. Showed me that there is healing from addiction. Then Christ used total strangers to remind me just how worthwhile I was in His eyes. And then Christ showed me real freedom. Christ showed me. I am valued. Loved me for Fully. Filled my life with purpose. He set me free. Then Christ showed me where real fulfillment is found. Then Christ. Revealed a transformative love for the first time. Now, Christ has given us hope. My sins no longer define me. So come and see. Come and be. Come and see. Come and serve. Come and love. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Not our church, but our Jesus. Broken down, all of your trouble come Man, that's just a handful of some of the we can clap for that. Of some of the stories that God has just been writing here, not because of the ports. Porch doesn't write stories. Jesus writes stories. The porch doesn't change anybody's life. Jesus changes lives. He's doing it in lots of places. Lots of churches, lots of places. He's at work. In a lot of places he's not. But in the places that he is, they're all doing the same thing. There's no silver bullet. If you want to experience change, it's going to involve you living in community, living out God's word and living by his spirit. I want to make sure, and I'm going to close with this. I want to make sure that I communicate really clearly. God is not saying change first and then I will love and accept you. God is saying, I love and accept you. And if you accept me, I am going to bring about change in your life because i love you too much to leave you that way. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he is doing that. Or you are silencing the voice of God. But he's a God who's there who's saying, man, I love you so much. Not change and you're accepted. I accept you way before you ever change. I have a friend who was going through the adoption process and, and uh, I'll close here. They, um, was, she was a single girl and she was looking to adopt. And, and uh, really, uh, this happened with a couple friends that were going through adoption processes. And they were sharing about the adoption process. And they all shared that there was one part of it that was so hard and, um, and it wasn't what I would have expected them to say. Like they were like, it, you know, if you adopt, it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. It's like weeks at a time. There's interviews, people come to your house, all kinds of hard things. That's what I would have expected. They said, no, no, the hardest thing by far is the questionnaire. Like the questionnaire. They fill out this questionnaire. They have everyone who wants to adopt and they have to go through and it asks questions that just are hard to answer. And because they're questions around like, what are the boundaries of your acceptance? If the child's blind, will you accept her? Him or her? If if the child has a mental disability, are you willing to accept them? If the child has a physical disability, are you willing to accept them? If so, which ones? If the child has a terminal illness, are you willing to accept them? And it goes through over and over and over again and lays out what the criteria under which they're willing to accept. Lily, you want to hand me the handheld? You guys just talk amongst yourselves real quick. And uh, Travis, am I good? Check, check. I've been wanting to get rid of this pink kind of headphone thing anyways. Anyways, you go through the boundaries of acceptance and they say like, hey, these are the ones I'm accepting. Here's why they said it was so hard. It's so interesting. They said every child or every box that you check, you're essentially telling a child they have one less home that they could go to. You're putting parameters on the boundaries of what you're willing to accept someone. Boundaries on the willingness that you have to adopt that someone. When God looked at you, when God looked at the human race, here's what I wanna make sure you hear me really loud and clear on. He said, there are no boundaries to my acceptance. There's not a person in the room with a story that is too far out, that has done too much, that is too bad of a person, that has uh, wrecked their lives too poorly to be a candidate for my grace, to be a candidate, to be someone that I'm going to adopt, that I want to adopt, that I want to bring about radical change inside of their life. I will accept them regardless of their story. There is no boundaries to my acceptance. That's what God has said. Every person in this room who's addicted to pornography, who has pornography in their past, who's a manipulator. You're a womanizer. There's guys in this room who are womanizers. There's, there's women in this room. There's an abortion in your past. You never told anyone about. And the God who's there is not angry at you. He's crazy about you. He loves you so much. He died for you on a cross to communicate that to you, to say, there is no boundaries to my love, to my acceptance, to those who I will adopt and make my children. I don't know what your story is in the room, but if you're sitting there and this happens so often where the person's like, man, you just don't know my story. You really think you're the one exception. You must be new here. Because the stories, candidly, just of the, of the people that lead around here are stories of people with incredibly broken past, people with brokenness where we're still saying, God, take my life, help me, Lord, take ground in my heart. I wanna be more of God's man. Whatever is in front of you right now, whatever you've never shared with anyone or whatever you feel like is owning you, I want you to know change is possible. There's a savior who loves you, who gave himself for you, Who has placed no boundaries on his acceptance of you and yet like any good parent if he adopts you into his family by faith by trusting in him he's going to do what good parents do they raise their kids they bring about change and growth and that's what he's going to do in your life and if he does it he's going to do it in these three ways with his people his spirit and applying his word there is no boundaries to his acceptance no boundaries to what he wants to do in your life if you will let him. And the chance is yours tonight. From the God who's there, who knows everything wrong with you and says, man, will you surrender that to me? Walk with my people and you'll experience freedom, change, life, hope. Let me pray. Father, thank you just for the ways that you're at work, God. It's, it's undeniable for so many of us who are not perfect, but we're just experiencing that there's a God who loves us enough to convict, to move us towards repentance, to confess. Thank you for the fact that no story in this room is over because there's hope with you and as we've said before hope has a name jesus i pray for in this room the man or woman right now who's scared they're carrying something candidly they think they're going to die with they're going to carry this to their grave they'll never tell anyone that you would in your kindness and grace just move them towards sharing with whoever they trust around them, whether it's one of our volunteers, somebody around them who'd love to just man, pray with, come alongside, or someone that they know is a follower of Jesus, that they'd be willing to just say, man, this is the baggage, or this is some of the guilt and shame I'm carrying. And then into that guilt and into the sin of our life, your grace would run deeper and you would grab more of us. We'd experience more of you, more of your love, and we would look more like Jesus. God, would you chip away everything that doesn't look like him and do something marvelous with the men and women in front of me? For your name and your glory, would you kill the pride in my heart, God? Would you help me? Would you help us all? In Christ's name, amen.